Hello and welcome to Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery, and at this point also delays. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening is uh, the Dapper DM, Troy Sanders. Greetings! One of them. I think it's down to just us two now. Like, like I think it took two years, well, but we finally okay, whittled it down to just... Finally, finally whittled it down. Well, I, I think we, I think we need to let uh, the, the the audience know that John may not uh, be coming back to the podcast. He may not survive the evening. Um, he uh, he kind of he kind of had an accident, um, you could say, and um, it uh, it looks <laughs> a little life threatening. Um, he forgot that today was his anniversary. It's not good. It's not looking so, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, he's in, I believe, he's currently in critical but stable condition. Um, the wife hasn't determined whether he's going to survive the night yet. Um, so please keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Um, send him any good vibes and, and, uh, the, the next time you do see him, make sure you razz the crap out of him. That's right. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, uh, we're, we're going to fly, uh, we're going to fly duo tonight and, um, we got a good topic though. I think, uh, right. nice topic that we're itching for, but before we get into that, Troy, do you have any news for us today? I uh, got a little bit of news. Um, a few days ago, Wizards has uh, launched their uh, after-school D&D program, and, uh, which is pretty cool when you think about it. They're, they're, supporting, um, they're supporting after-school programs uh, from, I believe, now again, you can find this out on their, on other podcasts or websites, but it's like they have uh, sets of, of stuff going on for like uh, grade six or four to six and then six to eight. And then mm. they have like a little miniature campaign that they can do with uh, sessions like once a week and, and things of that nature. So mm. it, it's kind of like following on the heels of the, of the release of the new starter set. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can continue the adventure beyond school and things like that. So I thought that's a, uh, you know, that's, I feel like that's been a long time coming. That's something that should have been done probably, you know, years ago. Um, but for whatever reason, just didn't find its time until now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. That is. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. On my end, I just have a small bit of news. Um, and it is about an RPG that I've yet to play, but is on my shelf and I really want to. Um, Blades in the Dark announced that they are dropping a uh, VTT tool set called, uh, well, it's by a company called One More Multiverse. Um, and what's cool about this mm. is that they One More Multiverse has taken the entirety of Blades in the Dark and moved it onto their uh, new tool set builder. You can get in the beta right now for 20 bucks, um, which is 34% discount. It's going to be 30 bucks when it goes fully live. Um, full release scheduled for a couple weeks from now. Um, 
what's weird about this is that, you know, they've uploaded Blades in the Dark takes place in a single city. And so because it's not huge, they put in graphics, NPCs, everything for the entire city, encounter maps, everything. So the pitch is you don't every single creature, every single thing that is in the city, uh, or at least there's a representative token for every single thing. So you don't have to ever upload anything. And it's all done in like this, like kind of almost top down pixie style artwork, like low res, high poly count or low poly count. Um, So yeah, we're getting another tool set and it's a one-time payment. Cool. Well, I think, uh, I think you need to share that, uh, that link so that we can drop it in the doobly dude. I will, but I'm afraid to open anything on my computer for the rest of the night. So I will, uh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> later, later. Yeah. We'll drop it. We'll drop it in the discord. Don't touch That's it. Right. Don't touch it. That's right. No, um, one more multiverse. If you search for that and blades in the dark, I think you'll find it. So kind of cool. Um, anything else that we want to cover news wise, or should we go ahead and dive right in? I say we just dive right in. Let's do it. Put your money where our mouth is or something. Let's restart. John, Troy, and myself get an itch to do some writing every once in a while. And when that happens, we publish it through world of game design. Head on over to store.wogd.com to find books like Oceanic Depths, Scrap Rats, and Motherlode that feature design by your delightful and charismatic hosts. Again, that's store.wogd.com. All right. So uh, tonight, we kind of pulled a little bit of an audible. We had a different topic in mind, but we decided to save it for John. So we moved on to our second topic, which is... Um, why do we have so many systems? Why are there so many games? Uh, which is kind of a silly question. We don't, we're not really asking that question. Or yeah. maybe we're not asking it as a complaint. Because there's a lot of systems out there, especially in some specific genres, right? If you step outside the idea of a genre and you dive into known IPs, of course we have a million RPGs, right? Like, of course we have a game for Dune and Star Wars and Star Trek and, uh, you know, Warhammer and everything else. Because those are known IPs and it's easy to make it. And while a lot of those RPGs have good mechanics, have interesting systems, have unique ideas, it starts with, typically... We have this IP. Let's 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 convert this IP into a new medium of role-playing games. But even if we remove those from the equation, and we just focus on genre that isn't tied to IP, you see a lot of RPGs covering similar ground to each other. And so we thought maybe we take a look at a couple of those genres and talk about the different books that are in there, and maybe how they vary and what we're trying to do with what each one is trying to do a little bit different. Because if you're sitting down and you say, we want to play a sci-fi RPG and we don't want to be in star Wars or star Trek, you know, there, you got a lot of choices to choose from and maybe we can help you narrow in something that you might want to tackle later. (laughs) A bear droid says, 
why also question why do i have so many games and no time to play them which is the that's very uh, fair the other dilemma of our age so see that's that right there that question that question is is the direct result of having all of these dang systems if you just had the one system that did it all you wouldn't have to worry about it you wouldn't have other games that you wanted to try to play you only, you only, you only have mm-hmm. the one Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, so let me uh, let you choose. I think for this first round, do you want to talk about fantasy systems or sci-fi systems to start off? Well, I think you know the 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 m- most dominant genre in role playing is fantasy. Um, for some reason, always has been, and more than likely probably always will be um i don't know i really don't know why i mean because for the longest time you know fantasy movies for the most part bombed at the box office you couldn't get a good fantasy movie for years nothing that really mm. caught hold like like some of the other genres have and then we get, you know, our, our the first D&D movie, and that was god-awful. And nothing really caught until Lord of the Rings, until until Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Um, but before that, you know, superheroes and sci-fi and, and uh, war movies, murder mysteries, all that kind of stuff, all those things are always super popular in every other medium really, except for role-playing games. And the one genre that always tanks in other forms of visual media thrives in role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, <clears throat> as we're diving into the fantasy genre, I've got a small stack of books here. We could talk for hours about different rpgs but i thought i would grab a small stack and maybe we we just kind of some of these are ones that we've talked about before but we can go through some of these and just talk about you know what some of them do well and what they're trying to do that's unique and then troy if you want to throw out some as well that that come to mind for you these are things that if you want to try something different than DD. Well, first off, why would you? I think that's a fair question for a lot of people. So maybe we can help answer that. But then in addition to that, so you've chosen to play something different than D&D. What are some things that, uh, you know, shine in these other systems? So um, I'm going to start with, uh, I'll I'll do a couple and then I'll I'll turn it over to you. Uh, So I'm going to start with a couple really couple three really really rules light systems um that are all fantasy based and just kind of rattle off because i think even just showing three very rules light systems can show you how much variety you can even get there because these are super different um so obviously the first one out of my mouth is going to be morkborg um super rules light d20 based um all player roles. There's no DM roles involved. Um, and the thing that it wants to do, the thing that it wants to communicate is that um, you can have a very dark, heavy, grungy metal 
feeling theme. And uh, you can communicate that through the book, through the rules, through everything. Obviously, there's a million ways to die in this book. Life is super cheap in this book. And the simplicity of the system uh, uh, underscores or, or highlights just how cheap life is. There's nothing to get in the way between you and dying, right? Um, <laughs> right. But then, you know, same basic premise of super rules light. Uh, I also have this book called Fellowship, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse RPG that is fantasy-driven. So this is super, super, super rules light, 2D6 system. Um it is emulating a an epic uh, historical almost feeling fiction, um, and you play as a fellowship, and you are trying to fulfill your destiny against an overlord. But it's all bare bones, and so it's a I call this like a storytelling engine more so than a mechanics driven engine, even though there are mechanics in it. That's interesting. Um, and then the uh, the last one, and you can actually watch a how-to on this sort of a book, but the last one that I'll talk about is Tomb Punk, because it's one of my favorite little tiny uh, fantasy games. And it's got all sorts of weird things that it's running for, right? It really likes the idea of dungeon crawling, and it likes the idea that there's a point to going into dungeons other than getting great loot. And that's that you need to go get loot because you have bills to pay. And that going into a dungeon and killing monsters and getting loot also has the added benefit of bringing light into dark places. And um, I really like that theme and the mechanics that it employs. The idea of, you know, you're fighting against chaos. You're bringing order. Um, it it really uses a couple, three really clean, unique mechanics to communicate new themes, different themes that are highlighted or not even highlighted. They are mentioned in D&D. We all recognize them in D&D. But here, because this is so small and so simple, the mechanics get zoomed in on, right? And that those themes of delving dungeons and bringing light and order into places of darkness and chaos and having to pay your bills all get uh, uh, illuminated all that much more strongly. That's pretty cool. I like the idea of having to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. And I see Bear Droids commenting on the Fellowship book being yeah. a pretty big <laughs> rules light book. And that's fair enough. Uh, this is a 266, like... Uh, it's not quite a eight and a half by eleven, but it's it's it is rules light. What you'll find though is in uh, in powered by the apocalypse stuff. They really want to give you a lot of tools in this book, a lot of ideas. So it's not a lot of mechanics in here. It's a lot of storytelling devices, um, and you could actually run most of this off of probably just a handful of pages, but they give you 266 pages so you don't have to go anywhere else for inspiration. That's very interesting. I'd not, I'd not heard of that one before, I don't think. Yeah, my a friend of mine uh, recommended this to me. He is a big Monsters of the Week fan, okay. and uh, when his group finished out a Monster of the Week campaign, they wanted to play fantasy, and they wanted to keep to the same system. So he went out and found this, and he ran a 
a fellowship uh, campaign for, I think, over a year and really enjoyed it. So um, I know a lot about this book. I've read a chunk of it and I've heard a lot about it from him. Um, and I'm excited to get to uh, test it out someday. I, I am intrigued. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Do you have any that come to mind for you as far as just fantasy games that do something different than D&D? Well, I think, you know, right off the top of my head, I mean, since we're currently playing it, it's Simbarum. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of those games where, you know, if you know D&D, Simbarum is, is, a, is another nice pair of comfy shoes for you. Um, but it does, it does have a different feel to it. Um, it's, it feels darker. It feels more, uh, there's a weight to what is going on. Um, the lore feels good, you know, and, and makes sense, but it's, there's a presence and a pressure behind it. Um, it's not your... It's not your swashbuckling uh, princess bride, bright and shiny type <laughs> of game. It's 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 got a very dark, very dark feel to it. But it's not. It's also not depressing, but it's very interesting. I think you could take it into a depressing area, but I don't think it's meant to. I just I just think it's supposed to be kind of stark and kind of yeah, you know that feel of dangerous. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> another that I, uh, I haven't gotten to dive into yet. Um, Forbidden lands. I want to check that out. It also kind of has that, um, a different feel, I believe to it. And I want to, I do want to check that out. I've heard lots of good things about, um, about that system. Um, I want to get into mazes from level nine games. I want to check that out. Um, It seems very, very unique. Uh, The character that you play only ever rolls one type of die and and everybody rolls a different type kind of thing. Mm. So I want to get into that, see how that mechanic works out. Um, And if you want to go like old school, I was going to say uh, Simbarum one thing that I'll note there about what it's doing different mechanically is it removes the idea of having to build a class and leveling up in a specific way based off a class. And it says the sky's the limit. You can pick from all the options and kind of build your own version of a class as if like in D and D, if as you leveled, you weren't taking levels of barbarian or taking levels of ranger or rogue, you're just, grabbing abilities and some of those abilities theme a ranger and some theme a rogue and you're kind of building this you know sometimes you're building an archetype but you're you're always making your own choices every step of the way which i think is really cool and yeah that that's one thing that was lost on me um because we kind of we we dove right into it um and i wanted to come into it fresh so i didn't really read up on any of it beforehand and didn't realize you could, you know, go a la carte and just pick mm-hmm. what you wanted to pick. And so, yeah, I'm pouring over the different archetypes and be like, oh, man, what do I want to be? What do I want to be? What makes sense? And then when one of the other players shows up, it's like, well, I didn't pick one. I made my own. I'm like, what? You could do that? <laughs> you could, nobody, nobody said. It's like, 
damn it. Because <laughs> I, I, I was, I was struggling. I was struggling trying to figure out um, where I fit and, and, and what I wanted to be. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I was just kind of like, man. Well, it's probably it's probably a good thing that I didn't go the a la carte route because I mean, as as paralyzed as I was with analysis with just the archetypes, I can't imagine just going through and going, oh. I'll just pick all these cool things and try to figure out how to buy them all. But mm. yeah, that I dug that. Um, and it's funny cause it, Zach has been on a hunt recently, um, trying to gobble up as much, uh, iron crown enterprises, middle earth role play yeah, I am. as he can. And that, that game was based on the, uh, Rollmaster system, which I played way back in the day, um, and I you haven't you haven't played any of it yet, have you? Right. Um, <laughs> I can't wait until you try. <laughs> it's uh, be a good it, I mean, it was a very super, yeah. Rollmaster at least was very very simulationist. They tried to make everything you know, be as close to how hard it would be to swing a sword in a certain type of armor and just all kinds of, as I remember it. And also incredibly uh, chart heavy. Um, We Mm. actually called it chart master is what we called it. But the charts were fun. Um, You could actually, there were rules that you could take the, the, the charts out and use them in D and D as uh, critical role tables mm. and and things like that. So, yeah, Bear Droid, right Bear on. Droid's having uh, role master flashbacks, but uh, yeah, it does something. I mean, it does stuff completely different. It, I would definitely say that you know, comparing role master to the games, you know, modern games, um, I don't know that it's going to hold up well because of the of the new you know, game technologies that we have, we have come up with as far as rules and how things work. Um, but I mean, it's, it's still probably be fun to, to go back and, and try it again. If you could, if you wanted to wrap your head around that system. And I also want to play mm-hmm. uh, five torches deep. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good stuff about five torches deep. Um, and uh, somebody, yeah, Bear Droid also mentioned Tiny D6. I think Tiny D6 would be fun as a, as a dungeon, as a, as a fantasy, hmm. um, fantasy rock. That's great. Yeah, I um, I've got a couple more that I would bring up. Just that I'm, you know, thinking about like what's what's fantasy that's trying to do stuff different. Like um, a while back. Uh, it's been like a year or so ago i bought that green knight rpg which is based off an ip so it's a little bit different but what i will say there is that like Mm -hmm. the idea of not worrying about hit points and focusing on you know honor and duty as things that you must prioritize and falling um falling um down in your duty as a knight is really how you lose and how you how you fall as a player character as opposed to taking you know damage and dying i think that's really cool um i'm also you know i'll show uh right here this is kind of 
going back to your old school thing, but old school essentials, right? This is my latest little obsession oh, yeah. of a fantasy game. Um, you know, the idea of saying, look, there's interesting systems that are in our past that we can take and revise and breathe new life into because there's really cool ideas. There's a really cool feel there that with just a little bit of tweaking can be modernized. can be something that we all enjoy playing again. Um, you know, there's not that much difference other than Thaco between OSE and, you know, your standard language of D&D. Um, but it's cool. Um, and it's got a good vibe. I think part of that vibe comes from its community, but it feels very classic, very vintage, very retro, but in a, but in a way that doesn't feel frustrating at the same time. So definitely dig this. Right on. I don't know, I kind of feel like you, if you're going to, if you're going to go for that old school feel and get a little gonzo with it, man, DCC, mm-hmm. Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um. With that, with that magic system, and and I, I played a little mini campaign of that, and somehow ended up becoming some kind of wizard, um, which is totally was totally not the plan for me, but I ended up a wizard anyway. Um, with uh, like a tentacle arm or something, <laughs> it was like I, I lost all the toes on one foot. And 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 that we we only played like four sessions. It's like what the hell, man! But uh, that would the DCC system is pretty pretty cool. If you if you want to go if you want to go for a Gonzo feel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yes, Bear Droid. The older the older I get, the easier the rules have to be, and that's oh, that's why I cringe at Thaco. <laughs> Well, so the the last yay corruption. The last one that I'll talk about is one that I actually got to play this weekend, um, and I'm super pumped about now. Um, I got to try out Zweihander this weekend in a big way. Got to play it for several hours. Uh, got to make a new character. Got to learn all about it, um, and basically just fell in love. Truly fell in love with this freaking game. Um, while I was at it, um, you know, on the surface, you would say, well, what is it doing that D&D is not? Well, I think that it's more folk fantasy, I guess I would call it. Like, it definitely wants to go horror a little bit, but also doesn't want to go quite as high crazy fantasy. It wants to be a little bit more toned down, um, which I like. Um, then also cool things that it does is you you build out, you roll a Mad Lib for your uh, character generator at the beginning. You learn a lot about your character and every character in the party just by, you know, rolling on a bunch of tables. And then you read this statement that you built by those random tables and it tells you who your character is. It's a percentile-based system, which I really do dig. Um, uh, but really, I think, you know, there I could talk a lot about... Um, things that I liked about this game, but one, I'll, I'll stick to maybe just one for right now, one more for right now, which is um, it has these two condition trackers. Instead of just keeping track of health, uh, this game wants you to keep track of peril condition and damage condition. And you don't have 
a number ascribed to either one, you move up and down a increasing severity of condition. So on the damage side, you start out as unharmed, then you go to lightly wounded, then moderately wounded, then seriously wounded, then grievously wounded, and then you're slain. And on the peril track, you start out as unhindered, then you go to imperiled, then it gets worse and worse and worse until you're incapacitated. And as you progress down those levels, there are opportunities on either side to be forced to draw from either peril decks or damage decks to take on additional conditions to your character. You know, maybe you take damage and you draw, you have to draw a card and it's a punctured lung or whatever. And so there's a cool random element to, uh, you know, becoming imperiled or becoming damaged where you don't always know what taking that hit is going to mean. It might mean something better or worse than what you might have thought. And that is really, really cool. Um, and then Girk is saying, uh, Girk mentioned, I don't know if he was talking about this one or not, but uh, there's also a cool corruption mechanic in Zweihander that I really like. Um, there's also like freaking 72 quote unquote classes in this game. Um, there's a billion actions that you can take in combat, which I think is really cool because even though there's a billion actions that you can do, it's, they are organized in such a way that it doesn't feel overwhelming. It's just a good system. I am really intrigued with that system. I really want to try it out. I've all, ever since it got dropped, it got released, you know, years ago, I wanted to try it and just never, never had the opportunity to, to sit down and give it a go. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that's 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 where I'm sitting as far as uh you know fantasy games are concerned like we've rattled off several we could we could continue to rattle but maybe you get the sense here that um you know I think a lot of the games that we just talked oh, yeah. about are trying to do different things than D&D and you're going to get a totally different feel by playing them and if all you've ever played is D&D in the fantasy sense um there is some really cool ideas that you can discover elsewhere um and <clears throat> even though D D can do mm -hmm. everything it can't do it as well in some areas as a system that's dedicated for that objective right right yeah everything kind of yeah like zach said you can D D can do anything that you want it to do. fifth edition can do anything you want it to do whether it's fantasy, sci-fi, modern, whatever. But it probably will not do it as well as a system that is designed to actually work in that genre. D&D mm -hmm. does D&D &D really well. D&D, D&D is better than anything else. But if you want something a little grittier, maybe Zweihander. If you want something even easier, you know, Tiny Dungeon. Or you want something a little more gonzo, DCC. Yeah, 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 exactly. So let's let's move the needle now. Uh, let's do a 180, and let's talk about Andrew's favorite genre. Let's talk sci-fi for a bit and explore that realm, because I don't know that we have, in today's era, an established sci-fi game that dominates all the others. I think that we have a lot of options to choose from, and it's even harder to pick one to start with. So, well, 
I would like to start this, but this is this is the topic that actually kicked this idea off was uh, sci-fi because Zach um, did a review or is going to do a review of Tony Vicinda's new uh, game. You know, show that real mm-hmm. quick, or do you have mm-hmm, a handy mm-hmm. through the void? Uh, through through the void, and yeah, through the void, and we kind of we kind of uh, was sitting there talking about it, and I'm like, you know, that's really cool. And then it kind of came to me, why we've got so you know, just like fantasy, we've got so many. Why do we need? Why do we want? another sci-fi and because it's doing something a little different than this one is and this one is and so that's kind of that's kind of what got us on this track in the first place is is tony's new tony's new game and and why do we quote unquote need a new system for anything we don't but what does this one do that's right. Well, so what does it do, Zach? Well, let's start there, I guess. Um, so through the void is going to be a really simple system for us to discuss, um, not in feel, but in interpretation or in mechanics. Maybe it's our sci-fi version of Mork Bork. It's not really that. It's not a kill everything system, but it is a D20 based system that feels like a very stripped down version of D&D. Um, but it's got just enough tweaks to the mechanics to where you don't feel like you're just playing a reskin of the game. You're still rolling a D20, but you're not um, uh, 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 you're not uh, picking a class, right? You're not building a class or whatnot. You're selecting a specialty, and your specialty is uh, how you get your abilities and things like that. Um, but it's really, really, really simple. They're they're super streamlined and clean. Um, you roll a d20 to hit um, and to succeed on things and to make defense checks. And basically the players roll d20s for everything, but the modifiers are very small. Um, but a couple things that I really like about it is it has a really cool system for armor. Um, <clears throat> so basically armor allows you to re-roll a failed defense check. So when an enemy attacks you, you roll a defense check. If you fa- if you succeed, great. You don't ha- you dodged or whatever, and you don't have to worry about it. But if you fail, uh, you can use your armor to roll again. And depending on the quality of your armor, that tells you how many re rolls you can do with that armor until it's degraded to the point where it's not worth anything and you have to get it repaired. So that's I think a great system that makes perfect sense with this sort of mechanics, um, but also um, is doing its own thing. And then the other thing that Tony did, which I really like, is everything is kind of encouraging players to come alongside Dungeon Masters in telling the stories in this book. And so the pitch is that the Dungeon Master starts off uh, an adventure or whatnot, but then there's always like, hey, it's... here." here's a spot for your players to interject rumors. And when they throw out rumors, you roll a dice to see how true those rumors are secretly. And you kind of, as the dungeon master, incorporate those into your game. Or um, they've got these cool things, which are kind of like um, uh, 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 
cutscenes where it's encouraged to move the camera away from the party. The dungeon master moves the camera away, shows something that's going on elsewhere in the galaxy or on the space station. And then once they're finished giving that scene, they cut back to the players and they ask them for input. They ask them questions about how does uh, this affect you or does it affect you? Or, you know, there may be even more specific questions than that. It really is more of a narrative storytelling engine that uses our standard, uh, our kind of like uh, general understanding of how D&D works when it needs mechanics. And I really like that, that it's going to be collaborative through and through. And it's going to basically give you prompts as opposed to rolling a ton of dice. That's pretty cool. I like that. You're going to have to, uh, you have to run us through some, some through the void. Yeah. Run us through the void. That's right. Um, another, I'll, I'll give a couple more before I, uh, uh, hand it over to you for a moment. Uh, bear droid's been bringing it up. So I'm going to bring it up too. How about tiny frontiers, the sci-fi version of tiny D six, uh, tiny dungeon, tiny Cthulhu, things like that. Uh, you know, little tiny 2d6 system again um just rolling d6s and having a good time allowing uh you know again collaboration at the table great dungeon masters great storytellers and great player on player interaction to do the work and not worrying about a whole bunch of mechanics uh to get in the way so i really do like tiny frontiers a lot um, and then, heck, let's talk about probably the biggest one of the bunch at the moment, um, Mothership. Um, we're going to be releasing how to plays for Mothership tomorrow over on uh, YouTube. But um, what a great game. This is, there's a reason that this is probably the most popular sci-fi RPG out there right now. And that's because it knows what it wants to do and it does that well. Um, you know, it's very similar to the Alien RPG. It's a D100 based system, a percentile based system um, that deals a lot in stress and panic, but also with insanity. Um, and that's kind of a fun take that Alien doesn't get into as much. Um, I love all the things about it, but probably the thing I like the most um, that's going to really set it apart as a system is that it's got a fantastic skill tree. And that skill tree. Um, really helps inform your character, but it also gives you a lot of inspiration as a game master and as a player on how to approach situations in space. Um, so I dig that. And uh, at a wider lens, because the community is so strong and because their license uh, is open to a lot of people, um, there is a huge variety in the stories that you can tell in Mothership. Um, this is not like Alien or some of those other RPG games that are really intent on telling a certain type of story. Mothership wants to tell sci-fi horror, but it doesn't care what that horror looks like. And so, you know, sometimes you get very like Event Horizon horror. Sometimes it is alien horror. Sometimes it's almost more fantasy horror and you're crawling around in crypts. Um, sometimes it has other genres, gothic space horror and things like that. It can really match whatever subgenre of horror you want it to be. And I really dig it. Um, it also has the best character sheet and character creation process, I think, bar none of any game out there. So it is 
it is pretty cool. I do like I do like Mothership. <clears throat> you got any others before I uh, I bounce to a couple more for uh, for sci-fi? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned it, Alien. Um, a guy like that, especially with the the the, the Colonial Marine um, expansion, it kind of opens up to do to do more things. Um, the classic Traveler. Um, I think I'm just going to perch on Traveler. Uh, that is a game within a game, really, because the I've never gotten to play Traveler because I don't make it out of character generation. It's probably one of the, if not the only, game that I know of where you can die in, your, your character can die during creation. So you have to start all over again. Um, so it's kind of one of those. It, it, it's it's really cool. You can set for hours and just make up characters and see if they die and make up stories in your head if you wanted to. Um, so I, I dig Traveler. Um, what else is there? What else is there? We, you've got the, you know, I, I would, wouldn't want to not say uh, the Warhammer 40K role-playing game, you know, since Andrew's in the, in the chat. Wrath and Glory. Wrath and Glory. Um, I haven't played it, but, I mean, that world is so rich with lore. That's one, that's one of the things that Games Workshop is awesome about is the lore behind their game, um, both 40K and Warhammer. Uh, so, yeah, you want to get in, into, like, dark, gothic... Um, heavy-handed, oppressive kind of sci-fi, you know, Wrath and Glory, and probably mm. the the new one coming out that is is more about like uh, normal people in that world and not seven or eight foot tall, genetically modified uh, space marines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, here, let me throw a couple more uh, into the mix then. Um, This is a new one, but I think um, it's going to find its own spot in the ranks. Death in Space, um, I think, is worth uh, throwing out on the table. You know, it's kind of, people have called it like the, um, and it's because it's free league, but people have called it like the uh, Morkborg of sci-fi. I don't think that it's quite that. I think it's trying to be something a little bit different. um, not that that's an ina- that's completely inaccurate, but um, it's really trying to be, I think, a little bit more grounded, quote unquote, uh, as a as a sci-fi study. It it's not overly complex, but if you read it and you kind of like peruse through it, I think you'll find that it's a little less Gonzo and a little less diverse than Mothership and some of those other games. Um, yeah, it's still D twenty yeah. based, but I think that it's really more um, the idea behind it that I get a lot more of is that there are strange things in space, there are dangerous things in space, um, there are unknown things in space, but there aren't. It doesn't pitch as much that there are crazy weirdo things in space or there aren't you know there aren't devils in space and there aren't uh you know orcs in space it's it's space is what we see it as now but the further we look into our universe the more dangers and uh uh, oddities there are to to find 
Um, I, I feel I feel like I feel like it kind of sets in the in the pocket of space is deadly enough as it is. Almost you don't you don't necessarily need anything Gonzo going on around you. It's it's deadly enough. Not to say that Gonzo stuff in space isn't cool, but if you want a deadly, creepy game, floating out out there in space with nothing between you and, and instant death, but uh, the hull of your ship, that's got to make you pucker a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the I I think even like the the tagline for it, like every other game that we've talked about so far with sci-fi, has called it sci-fi. Death in Space says Death in Space, a science fiction role-playing game. Even mm-hmm. just in the the word, sp- sounding out the entirety of the word, spelling out the entirety of the word, it's communicating something about the game. Um, I'm really excited to play this. Um, this is you know maybe another top one on my list of games that's sitting on my shelf that I've been reading through, and I'm like, I want I want to experience this firsthand sooner rather than later. Um, because I think it's got a lot of things to say. And it's got a unique feel. Um, the last one that I was going to show, because why not? we got to talk about this. It fits perfectly in with the discussion. Troy, you and I made a game. So we might as well say we that, right? Like we made Commoner Core um, for Scrap Rats. Mm-hmm. And why did we make Commoner Core, Troy? Uh, mostly because I, I think I wanted something that made it made you know the the 5e rule set more deadly because it's so hard to threaten and scare a character and the and the that character's player in 5e because there's so many things that you can you know that the characters have at their disposal to mitigate damage and raise raise dead and revivify and all that kind of stuff but when you're zero level you don't have all of that and you you know you are just the guy you're just you're just the dude working on the starship that, to make sure that the, you know the 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 warp drive still runs so now when something happens you are scared you're worried because it's so easy for you to die yeah exactly and uh, i mean i i couldn't have said it better myself like it's that idea, though, of, you know, there's a lot of people in our community, especially in the uh, Adventures League community, which we're, we are and were a big part of, um, that are resistant or apprehensive or nervous about diving into other games. They know 5e, that's where they cut their teeth, or they know D&D, and that's where they've lived for the last 30 years. And so um, they hesitate to explore outside that. And so another reason that we wrote this game, right, is, yeah, it's rules light 5e, but it's also sneakily rules light a couple of other things because we introduce mechanics and concepts that we pulled from other systems like Call of Cthulhu um, to uh, kind of give this as a bridge to help 5e people step into other systems and those strange people who haven't yet tried 5e this can work as a bridge to help you find out that it's not as intimidating and it's not, um, uh, you know, as thick as you might imagine it to be, that it's actually a pretty clean, powerful system 
um, underneath yeah. all of the, you know, hardcover tomes that get cranked out for it. So, yeah, it, it, it's very, it's a very intuitive system. They, they really, you know, nailed it on this one. And I just, we just thought, you know, it would be kind of nice to have something that's a little bit more down to earth. You don't have to be the big damn hero all the time. You, you, it's just as fun to be, you know, the janitor. Yeah. 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 Well, um, so we've covered quite a few fantasies. We covered a f- quite a few sci-fis. We could definitely go into other genres, you know, Cthulian stuff horror in general i think we could go into western um you know modern crime spy like there's a million genres but honestly we've gone almost an hour just covering these two and i feel like maybe we should just leave the others alone and maybe we can come back and talk about those others at some point but i feel like we did a good job covering at least a good sampler platter of these tonight and maybe introduced some folks to some systems that they hadn't uh, perused yet, or maybe gave them a good contrast between systems that, um, you know, they can kind of maybe have a better idea of which one they'd like to try out next. Um, Anything else do you think we should add before we close out this episode? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try new systems. Um, You know, and that come, that's coming from somebody that, uh, I am reluctant to try, not really, I'm not reluctant to try new systems. I'm, I'm reluctant to commit to new systems because, you know, that, that's the one thing that I think is still kind of beaten into my head from years of, of role-playing games is you get this cool new system that looks awesome and, and you know it's going to be pretty good at least, right? But you can't get any friends to play it because, no, I mean, we just want to play D&D. Well, now you don't have to worry about that because, you know, the internet is, can be a wonderful thing. Um, you've got all of these virtual tabletops, all of these uh, Facebook groups and, and Discord channels and things that you can go and you can find people that are willing to run a game uh, of Tiny Dungeon or uh, uh, Alien or whatever it might be that you want to try. So just try. Get out there and play some stuff. You can always go back to your D&D game. Always. It's always going to be there. Yeah. Nobody's going to sneak into your house and steal your stuff because you're you're, you're cheating on it. So <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go out there and play some new stuff. And then come back here and tell us what you like. Right. Heck, I mean, Girk's over here trying out Palladium, so good for him. That, I'm, I'm interested to hear about that. Oh, That's something no. that I've never dipped my toes into, and I'd be fascinated to have a, hear a status report as, as that gets going. Yeah, Andrew says, try all the systems, right? Like that's, that was, you know what? That was my, you know, you remember that was my New Year's resolution yep. almost two years ago was like, I'm going to try a bunch of systems. And I am super happy that I committed to that because, man, it's, it, you know, it's so fun. And it's really, you know, I played D&D almost exclusively for a decade. And then, holy crap, I don't know how many games I've played in the last 18 months, but it's been a lot. It's been a lot of new games. Um, and uh, I think I'm better for it. So, yeah, go 
go out and do it. I would say so, probably, yeah. Like you said, Girk, uh, relive your high school years. Um, we're going to talk about more RPGs, I'm sure, in the coming episodes. Uh, this isn't over. This conversation will continue. Um, but until until oh, yeah. we do another episode, why don't we continue this conversation over in our Discord? So as we close out tonight, why don't we head over there? If you got some RPG systems that you think are worth people giving a shot, and you want to, you know, espouse their virtues to to the crew. Discord's the place to do it. Let's hear all about it. Um, and I guess we should go ahead and close this sucker out. We've got a lot of cool Kickstarters live right now. A lot of our friends are doing Kickstarters right now. So much that you can check out. Mm-hmm. Um, all that's also in the Discord or on our Facebook page. Troy, thanks for hanging out with me. Bear Droid, Girk, Chaos 8... Um, and everybody else that's lurking out in chat, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us, putting up with our uh, our delay there at the beginning. Um, and uh, we've got a good community, yes. and I appreciate you all chilling. So I guess until next week, we'll see you next time. Play great games, everybody, and a lot of new systems. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, Give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time.